got a whole lot of money. Yeah. Bitches yeah. count it for yeah. me. Yeah. Bottle yeah. key yeah. popping that yeah. water yeah. bad old jacket. Yeah. Yeah. It's a party, it's a party, it's a party. Yeah. It's a party, it's a party, it's a party. And welcome back to the Block of Flocka podcast. It's the third podcast that we're going to be bringing to you guys. Um, and today we're going to kind of just do it a little bit differently. We're going to kind of just uh, spin off a few different topics, talk about it, discuss about it um, with no limit, no filter, and no restrictions. And then we're just going to go from there. Um, in terms of just to quickly recap on the price action this week, not much happened. As you can see right now, um, a few days ago, Bitcoin went below 8,000. Um, but for the most part, it's in the same trading range. When are we going to pump? When are we going to dump? Who knows? Same old rhetoric, same old shit. Um, so that's why today we're not going to talk about price too much. But maybe talk about a few different other topics, Max. What do you think? Yeah, so I'm, I'm particularly interested in, in talking to you about specific exchanges like the future of exchanges because what it comes down to is right now the only companies in crypto that are making money are the exchanges but even then you see you're, you're going to see this wave of consolidation with some reports about korean exchanges that may or may not be liquid um, just a lot of interesting news with uh, circle spinning off polonia next this week so yeah i mean um, i did not hear that yeah interesting yeah. interesting so with that in mind, I guess I'm going to throw one question at you and I'm just going to throw a couple of names and I want you to tell me what your opinion, any any expertise, knowledge, because I know you know a lot about exchanges a lot more than I do. Putting me in the hot seat, huh? Absolutely. So uh, let's start with Hobie. I've always thought that that was a pretty interesting company. So what's your take on them? Speak closer in the mic. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hobie, you know, I think, um, yeah, they're one of the top exchanges a Chinese exchange but right now they have a lot of headquarters and offices in Singapore Korea and in Hong Kong I believe um, yeah I mean they've been around for a while for a few years at least I think longer than Binance yeah so Binance okay I, I guess we should start with the king right the, the gorilla in the space with Binance and how they came into the space their ICO was back in what 2017 mm-hmm. back early part of 2017 they rolled it out within six months they were one of the top five exchanges in the world it, which is amazing I mean 2017 it's only two years ago and they are considered one of the biggest exchanges offering basically any trading pair you can think of right um, but yeah I mean I think for hobby as well um, they they offer for more or less the same kind of products that Binance offers but I mean what we can see from the past few months Binance has just been like chugging out new different products they're just lending products um, they recently bought up this other derivatives exchange called Dex or Jex Binance Jex um, which offers a higher leverage than the traditional Binance product of 20x because right now Binance only offers 20x Bitcoin futures, um, and that's it. But with Binance Jex, they offer um, more or less the same le- the same leverage, and maybe even a bit more on different coins. Um, yeah. So with that in mind, okay, Binance is obviously the gorilla in the game, kicking ass, taking names. But so when you look at a company like Bitmex, right, that made their name by offering 100x leverage on futures products. What's the future of someone like that when they are in an exchange? All they are is just an options platform. 
how are they going to be able to survive? I remember Arthur, you know, Arthur, he announced to the world, Arthur Hayes, that back in Taipei, that they were going to start underwriting paper based off of backed by Bitcoin. So they're moving. Obviously, they're, they have their head in the direction of more traditional investment bank financial products backed by Bitcoin. So is this just the, a few, the, the further maturation of this market? Like people are going to start getting into more and more of the products that were con- traditionally covered by the conventional investment banks? Is, just, is this part of the process? I mean, I think right now, for the most part, the mentality of most of these exchanges is cleaning up their act. Um, I think a lot of them right now have a bad rap for getting hacked, um, forcing stop losses on people on, on users' positions, uh, manipulative trading. I think right now that's a top priority for most of these exchanges. Just clean up their reputation, clean up their act. I mean, even this week, uh, I don't know if you saw between uh, OKX and Binance, which they have a pretty deep history between the two, uh, both Chinese exchanges. Um, and both are kind of like feuding it out right now. This week we saw OKX kind of accusing Binance for uh, numbers that don't really add up uh, in their profit quarterly profit numbers and also their um, quarterly burns that they've been doing on the BNB coin. Um, so you see right there, I mean, you just have these top exchanges, they're going after one another, accusing one another for doing this and doing that. So I think right now, I mean, I think the top priority for these exchanges should be be more transparent, being more open, and quote-unquote being more fair. I think secondly, like what you said, yeah, I think going down the traditional route and offering traditional products would be the next step um, to kind of making the reputation more legitimate in the financial space itself. Um, I mean, you already see with BACT and with CME. Um, CME already started, or they announced they're going to be offering options on their futures contracts starting next year. Um, so my question is, right, so we have the extension of these products into, you know, like we just talked about, the, these traditional financial products that are going to be backed by Bitcoin, for example. Now, the issue with institutional adoption is obviously the fact that uh, there's still manipulative trading going on, the volatility mm-hmm. with Bitcoin. So is this a cart and the horse situation where these players... Obviously, the, these companies, the exchanges, the options platforms, they're going to have to start diversifying their product offerings and start doing something different. Mm. But in order to grab that attention, and I'm, I'm sure they're going to need to start getting an institutional money eventually to be able to make this thing work. But the institutional investors are probably going to want to see more stability within the market. So is this who's going to who's going to take the lead first? Right. Is it the institutional players that have to come in to be able to make the market more stable or is Bitcoin just going to become more stable as they start diversifying their product line to begin with? Uh, that's a good question. Um, that's hard to say. You know, I, I would say um, with off the top of my head, I would say having the institutional players in the space, in the financial traditional markets coming in would help and give it some more legitimacy um, in stabilizing the price. Um, I mean, is the price stable right now already? I don't know. Um, are we going to see another 2017 happen in the next one or two years? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's kind of hard to say. Yeah, I mean, with guys, what what's the analyst on CNBC, Randy Neuer? 
right? He's the guy that's really taking the lead on the crypto analysis on CNBC. And he's the one that announced on Twitter this last week that, look, the days of 50x returns on Bitcoin is over. They're going to have to make, figure out a way to make legitimate streams of money, make the space mature quickly. Otherwise, it's game over for a lot of people here. And even when um, the founder of Cardano, right? Um, what's his name? Hutchison. Mm. When he goes out and announces to the world that regardless of whatever he does with his coin, ADA, that at the end of the day, Bitcoin is the marketing arm for the entire cryptocurrency space. So if Bitcoin fails, then everyone fails, mm. right? So how how much does everyone that's even involved in the space with their own coin that they've issued how much of a responsibility they need to take to make sure that Bitcoin does hit the maturation point? That, I think that just goes back to the question of when will Bitcoin stabilize and be more mature? Yeah. So when I, I guess the question is, like, does everyone have to take an active stake in making sure that this happens, regardless of whether or not they're, they're actively involved in Bitcoin? I mean, if you're in the crypto space, like, do you have to do whatever it takes to make sure that Bitcoin succeeds, I guess, is my question. Otherwise, you're only just setting yourself up for failure, too. In the f yeah, and I think going back to the exchange question, I think one thing that can kind of make Bitcoin more stabilized and legitimate is to reduce the leverage that you're giving out to users, you know? Yeah. I think 100x is just ridiculous itself. I mean, I, I, recently this week, I saw someone uh, tweet about a new exchange offering a 1,000x leverage no margin requirement and no fees. Yeah, so, and I, dude, I completely agree, right? You're in the wild still with this situation, but when you have guys like that, I know I keep mentioning that type A conference that I went to, but it was a pretty interesting situation when Arthur X, Arthur Hayes gets on stage and announces, look, we were doing horribly at BitMEX until we one day figured out, look, if we advertise that we offer 100X leverage, this is when all the users started coming in. That's when they started making money. Yeah. So I, I, well, I think at that time frame, getting those users to come in uh, helped the whole adoption. I, I think it gave gave it a lot more publicity um, and just excitement about it. But I think the excitement period for Bitcoin, I don't know, is is it is it over? Is the whole hoopla of gambling with this Bitcoin and seeing if it goes up or down? If it, you know, do do. I'm not sure the Bitcoin people and the Bitcoin people in the, in the space want to continue seeing this wild, wild west continue. It just seems like the further you you go, like, is the older that this whole project gets, the more questions that are brought up, right? There's more questions than answers at this point. Like, really, one, the, the obvious one is the fact that how does how does how does the price action even work? Like, what's going on here? Why does it move from 10,000 to 8,000? Obviously, there's a lot of futures actions that reflect uh, the general news regarding the market for Bitcoin. But at the end of the day, no one can pinpoint one specific thing or even a couple specific things that are really for sure the ones that are driving Bitcoin's pricing. Yeah, I mean, that's like I mentioned to you before. I mean, you have the OTC markets, which I mean, that makes up a big amount of the Bitcoin trading volume itself. And with the, with any OTC markets, they don't get reported. Um, and a lot of OTC markets, they base their prices off of what's going on on the actual exchanges themselves, off the actual public exchanges. So it's kind of like they use their prices 
but then at the end, and then, and then it's, you, you have the other question of a lot of these exchanges use an average price of other exchanges, you know? So it's, yeah, I mean, figure in pinpointing on what exactly is re really the driver of Bitcoin's prices. I mean, that's, that's kind of hard to say still. Yeah, I mean, with uh, t talking a little bit more about the whole, the space maturing, right? When you talk about the ultimate, the pie in the sky for the company that shows the world that they're legitimate, they made it, is an actual public listing, right? The IPO. Mm -hmm. And last year, it was looking like Bitmain was going to be the first one to list. Mm -hmm. But was it last year or two years ago? Uh, last year. Last year, yeah. yeah. But obviously... On Hong Kong, I think. On Hong Kong, yeah. yeah. They had a lot more issues than people realized that that was shelved. But this year, when you're looking at, let's say, for the U.S., the company that's most likely to be able to make it as a publicly listed, the first publicly listed crypto company is DCG, right? So Digital Currency Group. And their three lines of business are its media arm, Coindesk, and the, the conference that they hold. Their third arm is the lending arm. Um, and the, s the first arm is their, their asset management platform, how they offer the different OTC products backed by Bitcoin, Ethereum, and a basket of different cryptos. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and with them, and they are, they are, they're obviously actively involved in investing in different companies, so they're, they're obviously a VC as well. But, you know, they are the traditional company. They are offering traditional products. So is this where... It's just a general indication of where the market's headed to begin with. If they're the ones that are actually making it right now, besides guys like Binance that are that are killing the quote unquote killing the exchange game. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And plus, I want to know really what the situation at Coinbase is when you have that many high level departures over the course of one year. Mm -hmm. Like how rosy is the actual picture for Coinbase, especially considering the overall regulatory situation in the U.S., mm -hmm. um, right? The IRS the way that they're setting this thing up for crypto, it's not exactly welcoming. When people, the the biggest players in the game are announcing to the world, look, I think the future for crypto is in Asia. It doesn't look like the U.S. is going to take the lead here. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, I, I think the future of Bitcoin is in Asia and already has been in Asia for quite a long time. Um, but as you can see with the Chinese government, I mean, they're slowly kind of cracking down on these miners left and right. Um, because obviously if they want to come out with their own central bank currency, central bank <laughs> cryptocurrency, then I guess they're going to have to somehow make way for that and dominate that space with their own coin. Um, then again, I mean, there could be other factors why they're shutting down a lot of these ex mining farms in China, probably because of electricity purposes or just, um, you know, misuse of resources left and right. So I want to I want to just a little ask you a question regarding that. So there is a clear difference between a cryptocurrency, right, an actual cryptocurrency by definition versus a digital currency. So what I'm a little bit unsure on what the Chinese government is actually proposing that they want to do. So do you know? Can you explain to me a little bit what they're looking at doing? You know, I'm not too 100 percent sure, but I can kind of expand upon it. Um, I think for the most part. Well, I think for the most part, one, I think every central bank right now is almost in like an arms race to come out with their first digital coin. Um, even the U.S. is starting to kind of ponder about it and see if if the Fed should come out with their own dollar coin. So I think that's one. I think China wants to be the first in that space, and that's the reason why they announced it so quickly after Libra announced their 
um, plans for coming out with a Libra token or coin next year. I think that's one. Uh, I think that's two. Um, you know, it's, yeah, I guess they also want to somehow, I mean, with, 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 in China right now, you see a lot of digitization already going on. I mean, no one uses cash already. Um, credit cards are non-existent. WeChat and Alipay are king around here. Um, and I think they just want to expand upon that and um, advance the technology behind it. Um, I mean, that's that's the rationale behind that for the most part. Um, I mean, but then again, I mean, you can say is WeChat and Alipay already digital, right? Do they need a digital coin? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, what does it matter when you're you're making payment through your WeChat app that's connected to your bank yeah. account? You don't ever actually see cash. So I'm I mean, just trying to understand the difference. Honestly, I, I don't think there is a difference, right? Because, yeah. I mean, with WeChat and Alipay, yes, it's digital. But at the same time, the government, whenever they want to, they can shut down your account, right? And if and if they're coming out with their own digital cryptocurrency yuan, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be... I'm pretty sure they would also have the powers to also shut down someone's digital yuan wallet. So I guess... With, let me take that back. I do. I, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the fact that look, the the banking system, even though it has this image of digitalization within the U.S., obviously with Venmo and all these payment structures, um, it gives the appearance that look, there's no actual paper movement of paper going on anymore. That these are all digital platforms, but in the back end, everything is still as fucking ancient as possible. So mm-hmm. I guess maybe this is probably what it is in terms of the Chinese government announcing yeah yeah is just the back end stuff that no one actually sees the real banking work is moving that's that's a, that, that's a good point yeah so really from a user inter- interface point of view there's probably nothing different it's just a matter of upgrading the system finally after you know of never having innovation basically and i, I going back to my first point of, of just china wanted to be the first to come out with their own central bank cryptocurrency i mean they've been They've been uh, thinking about this for the past two years, actually. So it's not like recently they just kind of came out and announced it and started planning upon it. Um, this has been in the works for about two years, at least. And I came across an article this week saying how right now China is dominating the um, uh, the physical gold trading in the world right now. Um, if, if you didn't know, right now a lot of countries are kind of buying up gold and trading gold. Um, I guess in anticipation for like the next recession, um, but China's dominating on that front. I mean, I think in general, like I don't, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see if the Chinese central bank comes out with a d- digital coin by next year. Yeah, so I, I want to touch a little bit more on the Chinese central bank. I think a lot of people, right? I and this is what I don't understand. You it, you could very well easily find information about these large central banks. And even as early as 2014, the Chinese Central Bank was studying was studying Bitcoin very, very intensely, mm. right? They're one of the foremost experts on blockchain and specifically Bitcoin. So I think it even goes further back than just two years ago. They've been thinking mm. about this situation for a long time. And I don't doubt Good that point. any other central bank has been in the same situation. So and I, when think, I think probably more so the reason why China caught on to the Bitcoin craze and sort of studying Bitcoin more is because of the fact that, well, Chinese people have been using Bitcoin for quite a while. And I think one of the main purposes for Chinese people to use Bitcoin was 
for capital flight purposes. Yeah, absolutely. So they, they need to understand the mechanics of it just to be able to prevent it, I'm guessing, right? Obviously. Yeah. So, and I, I just want to know, because this you have the same experience. When you talk to people about cryptocurrency, when you talk to people about Bitcoin, they still don't get it. They're just like, well, mm. that's a scam, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, but when you have these legitimate players investing as many, you know, physical resources like time money labor everything into studying and understanding this product to begin with like that in itself is legitimacy i yeah. think agreed yeah agreed i mean you have to under you have to ask yourself like why right why why are they interested in it maybe i should actually learn a thing thing or two about it before i just call it an outright scam yeah and i mean well I think the reason why a lot of people still don't understand Bitcoin is because it's so complex. I mean, if you look at the math and technology behind it, most of most average people won't even understand the math behind it either. Um, and, uh, you know, I think institutions and governments right now are starting to realize that Bitcoin and digital currency, um, it's a legitimate thing. Um, it's based on math. I mean, if you think about the Bitcoin protocol, it's never been hacked into. It's never it's never faltered. It's never stopped. Um, and yeah, and blockchain in general, the technology behind that, it's been catching on with a lot of companies in, in terms of how they can incorporate it, incorporate it into their day-to-day business and I guess, quote unquote, improve supply chain efficiency. Yeah. And that's where I see, look, I, everyone was back on the, the blockchain craze from two years ago when all you had to do was just announce that you're exploring into Bitcoin somehow, or excuse me, not Bitcoin blockchain somehow and obviously you're a relevant company to everyone but at the end of the day right the concept of a distributed ledger like different different parties involved in the record keeping and the updating of the records and the distribution of the records so that everyone knows who owns what i mean that that in itself it's not i mean not every company is going to be able to use it. So I guess I'm just really interested in, at the end of the day, five years down the road, where is it? Where's the usage going to be settled around, mm-hmm. right? I think we've talked about this specifically with my interest in, in the redevelopment of the web and how to make it decentralized and the concept of using blockchain technology to finally be able to give state versus a stateless protocol. I think that in itself is pretty interesting, but who knows if it's actually going to take off. But at the end of the day, you have these incredibly smart developers and all these really incredibly talented people moving towards that direction. Is the that momentum enough going to be able to carry it through? Like what, right? What does it take for a project to work out? This is a huge undertaking. Yeah, well, it's, it's yeah. I mean, I think the only answer I can kind of respond to that is it's going to take time. Um, yeah, I mean, we're it's, in a situation where we're about to dedicate our lives to this. So these are obvious questions that you have to ask I mean, yourself a little bit. To kind of look at it in a, in, in a broader picture and to kind of, quote unquote, look at the forest for the trees, right? Yeah. Bitcoin, blockchain, um, the, whole, the, whole, the whole meaning behind a, a new currency, a new alternative currency. I mean, 10 years for a new currency is still a short amount of time. You know, cash has been around for, you know, uh, a few centuries, maybe just one century already. Um, Credit cards have only been around for a half a century, right? Um, And Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have been around for 10 years, only 10 years. 
So, I mean, I think I mentioned it to you before. I mean, back in the day, people were using, like, cows and cowrie shells for their medium of exchange. So, I don't know. I think it's still too early. You know, I think people are still testing the waters, and I think just education of the mass to really understand how blockchain and cryptocurrency can work in their day-to-day life that's what's going to take for more adoption to be seen across different industries in different countries yeah i get it i think where i stand at this point the more i read about the situation in the u.s and the u.s basically is in a situation they're going to be the ones that benefit most from the continuation of this traditional finance world right they are the ultimate beneficiaries of the system that they created. Mm. So I just think I don't I cannot imagine the continued growth of the crypto market with Bitcoin continuing to solidify itself in different countries that it's it's not going to be a benefit to the US. This is ultimately going to harm the financial system of the US. So at mm. what point do they have to just pull the trigger and actually start fighting this thing right because right now they've allowed it because they probably just thought like whatever it's some it's some coin that people want to invest but when you have legitimate players entering the game and actually threatening the u.s dollars hold on the global economy the global financial system eventually something's got to break like it's not very difficult to imagine just some regulatory agency in the u.s whether it be the irs whatever like they just saying look you're not allowed to hold on to this asset anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think we already see it. I think the U.S. is going to be behind in this whole cryptocurrency race. You know, the U.S. dollar has been basically like the standard for most currency transactions in the world for the past decade. Um, and it's helped them, right? The regulation seen in the U.S. has helped businesses come in and have a fair environment. But... Like what you said with legacy systems and laws and laws upon laws and rules upon rules and whatnot. I mean, that could be the downfall of Bitcoin's downfall in the U.S. and Bitcoin's rise in Asia. So, but yeah, that's that about wraps it up for this podcast. Um, let me know what you guys think about the topic we spoke about today. And if you listeners want to have us talk about any other topics in the next podcast, let us know. Drop your comments below. Drop your likes and... Uh, See you on the next podcast.